Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome into episode 69 of Dialed In, a podcast by the High Cotton Club, presented by Unknown Golf. I am your co-host, captain of the High Cotton Club, Connor Hendrickson, a.k.a. Lefty Sauce. Joined, as always, by vice captain of the High Cotton Club, a.k.a. Mr. 64, John Stewart, here to talk to you about a lot, as always, in the High Cotton Club. Joined this week by a special guest as part of our new member spotlights that we look forward to rolling out. First up is Mr. Jacob Beers, so stay tuned to the end of the episode for that. But we have some things to touch on before we get to that, and we're excited to uh, do some housekeeping items before we get into all that. So I want to make sure that everybody's aware that uh, registration for the Overlook closes December 18th. That's the next event with registration closing. So make sure you register for the Overlook at Limestone Springs. Um, at the beginning of January, registration closes December 18th. Registration for the Barn Burner at Kenny Perry's. This was one of the most popular events of the past two seasons, and we're looking forward to making it a bigger, better event this year. Registration closes December 2nd, or opens December 2nd, excuse me. So make sure that you're checking all the links and your player profile through Unknown Golf for that. And then if you have not already done so, find a guest for the Mother Clucker. Registration for the Mother Clucker in Mississippi is open right now. All the details that you need to know are on the refuge or in your unknown player profile in the Discord. Anywhere that you need this information, you can find it. But if you're having any trouble, please don't hesitate to reach out. We have room for 24 players at the Mother Clucker in Mississippi, where we'll be staying at Mossy Oak and playing Old Waverly, going to an MSU baseball game. It's going to be a big weekend, and we look forward to filling it out with High Cotton members and guests before opening it up to uh, general signups through the Refuge. So make sure that you're getting involved with that while you can. Obviously, Registration for that and all of our events is available through Unknown Golf because if you're tired of counting up dots, if you get annoyed typing in six-letter codes for every tournament or yelling across fairways to find out other group scores, or maybe you're the guy at your club with binders and spreadsheets stacked up to track handicaps and scores for your group games, shout out uh, 10 Cup. Yep, shout out 10 Cup. If so, you need Unknown Golf. Unknown Golf is the golf scoring system that weekend warriors everywhere have been waiting for because Unknown gives every player a live leaderboard for their game and integrates real handicap data into every tournament, weekend game, and individual round played. It even posts to the USGA for you. Now, we've all seen the live scoring apps before, but what sets Unknown apart, one of the things that sets Unknown apart is the, the ability to track every side bet or game that you can imagine simultaneously. Just hit the challenge button at any point during your round to add additional bets, presses, or challenge any other person using the app. Last week, we mentioned uh, some things may be coming. Last weekend, it went into beta testing. Could be coming out right around this podcast. So stay tuned to your Unknown Golf app. Um, if you have not already found out that all bets and scores are displayed on an easy-to-read dashboard and data is tracked and easily searched to discover long-term trends and totals, for the individual unknown golf tracks, net, gross, and course-specific scoring averages, among dozens of other data points. All of the High Cotton Club uses Unknown Golf, and you should too. So make sure to visit unknowngolf.com to create your player profile and download the app. Unknown Golf, the scoring app for the serious, casual golfer. Stu, how you doing, brother? I'm doing great. That was a great ad read. Can't say enough about Unknown Golf and the level that they've taken us. A hundred percent. I wish that I could have my peak performance for every ad read, just like they have their peak performance for every tournament and uh, weekend game that we run. Excited for uh, 
you know, the jackpot season to continue to trending despite the cold weather. And so, uh, yeah, we'll keep using unknown. And, man, I'll tell you what, this this one small thing that they're adding is so, so massive. It, it really is. It's just one feature. But when everybody gets their eyes on it, I haven't had my eyes on it yet. So I, I'm taking their word for it, but it's going to be something special. I can only imagine. But there's nothing better than, you know, going to lunch break, having a few minutes to look on there and see who's playing golf. And like, oh, a little live entertainment here. You got, you know, D-Ball and Josh playing or, you know, two guys in the club out there just battling it out. And they're like, oh, I'm just going to follow along with this while I eat my lunch. Yeah, I'll, I'll be yelling at my phone watching the High Con Classic live scoring sometimes like, 15 minutes to play this whole like come on guys we got to pick up the pace refresh refresh yep um so no it, it's all Enhance. great stuff and we, we appreciate them very much um obviously live scoring will be provided for santa slam which is going to be a uh you know as this is thanksgiving week the holidays are in full swing um halloween kicks things off but thanksgiving is really like all right it's the holiday season for sure. And, uh, you know, we appreciate everybody who gets involved, like, you know, during this this part of the year, because I know that, you know, everybody's got stuff going on mm-hmm. this time of the year. And, uh, but, you know, High Cotton Club doesn't sleep, baby. No. We're, we're still going to pump out events and uh, try to at least get together, you know, once a month and play some golf. 100%. So, uh, yeah, Santa Slam is it's an event that I'm, I'm particularly excited about. Um, Maybe for some weird reasons, I'll say. Uh, So for those of you who don't know, obviously my name is Connor, but my middle name is Lane, and uh, the golf course is the little course at Connor Lane. So like growing up when we got to go there, it was always like, this this is my place. This is my spot. (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard that before. Do you like that? Connor Lane, huh? Yeah. It's my mother's maiden name. Okay. Yep. That's a, that's a strong middle name right there. You learn something new every day. Lane Frost, one of the greatest bull riders of all time. Don't you forget it. All right. So, uh, Santa Slam. If um, you don't know, uh, Connor's family founded Montana. Yep. So. Yep. Actually, uh, we're, we're the real Duttons, in <laughs> case you didn't know. Um, so, uh, in, in all seriousness, the High Cotton Club's holiday celebration um trending from last year being a simulator event to actually getting out on green grass this year at uh, golf house tennessee's little course at connor lane golf house tennessee we talked about it um the tennessee golf foundation with beers um but really they do so much for junior golf throughout the state it's it's it's, it's worthy of being uh, commended and and something to give credit for um but they've also opened their doors to a group like us and so we appreciate them very much for that um, so players are going to compete across two loops at the little course. It's uh, all par threes. So I think the longest hole is 190, shortest hole is like one or uh, 60. Um, so 60 to 190. Um, so we'll play that those twice. Um, top three in a tilt leaderboard will get high cotton club times vessel um, shoe bags. Uh, we're going to be playing at 50% handicaps adjusted to the golf course. So there's going to be a few strokes out there, but nothing crazy. Um, and then we will we'll do gross skins and four closest to the pins throughout the day. Um, so it's going to be a, a great time with, you know, expect to pace of play only an hour, 20 minutes for, for each loop. 
we're in and out three hours um, on a Sunday, teeing off around noon. I, I can't wait. This is going to be a great, great way to kind of get over Thanksgiving and get into the, the Christmas cheer. Yeah, it's going to be a good day. It's our best homage to Bruff Creek, I think, around here. Even though uh, it's uh, – greens will probably be a little bit faster than – I think Vinny Link is – Vinny Link's is probably more Bruff Creek than yeah. the little course. I would say so, but – Even though they have par four. Yeah, and uh, the little course is also, you know, right next door to Legends. So, yeah. <laughs> One it's... of the finest country clubs in the – in the mid-state, but it is, uh, if you haven't played it and it's a lot of fun and it's, it's, it's good. It's going to be a great little walk. And if you got a Sunday bag, it's a great opportunity to dust off the Sunday bag, bring it out, take a little walk with four or five clubs. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to go, I'll probably go Walker trolley to be honest. I might go, I don't know. I might go the NIT bag. But I might just go Walker Trolley so I can, you know, try to carry some drinks for the group, something like that. Yeah, I've made a commitment to try this summer. Um, I was always worried. We talked about before we went to the NIT. I was kind of worried about um, like my knees and everything walking, and it, it actually—I mean, I was fine. Like I was tired, but sure. like I, I was fine. So I think I'm actually going to try and make a better effort, especially during the winter when it's cart path only a lot, to to try and walk more. But honestly, I think it's the best way to experience golf. I don't disagree. I just hate carrying a bag. Yeah. That's the only thing for me. Yeah, I just don't want it on my back. But this has been like, it would be a great way for me to dust off my old uh, Bruff Creek Sunday bag. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, So 190. Should I bring the hickories? I mean, we're not going to have time probably to do something like organize for that. Um, Take a few swings with them, break a couple. But yeah, like, play with them like i'll shoot i'll put one in and play for a few holes i don't mind that one bit um, the, you know we uh we've talked about and we talk about a little bit with beers like making sure that all high cotton event rounds are posted to the handicap system and it kind of stinks that like the first event since setting that precedent is one that we can't because it's a short course that's not in the system yeah it's not going to be rated really but so it's all right it's all fun it's all fun we'll have a great time out there um, and like, you know, that's, that's a quick allusion to, to the things that people have seen in the discord. The and, handicap discussion is a discussion that has to be made, but like it has its place. Like this, this is a fun event. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all, I won't say all wedges, but like mostly all wedges. Yeah. Um, so we, we have a, a great mix of people in the event. Um, by the time that we're recording this, the field's not quite completely locked in. Um, but you know, a mix of kind of OGs, people who were at the, the very first event and the first classics, um, all the way down to people who we haven't met yet and we're excited to, um, so shout out Frank McClellan. He's one of those guys that is going to be driving up from Alabama. He's somebody who just found us on social media and wanted to get involved. And so we're excited to meet, meet him and a few of those other guys that we haven't gotten the opportunity to meet before. Yeah, to be able to walk just a little short course like that, it's a great way to really and make some new friends. I'm looking at this. You, you realize you're not registered, right? Yeah, I know. I'm waiting to see when my wife plans my son's birthday party. All right. I'm just making sure. Like, my son's birthday is right around that. I just want to make sure it's not the same all day. Right, like, just making sure. Wait. I love you guys. Like, I want to spend, <laughs> I, I want to, it's the holidays, you know? 
Like you want to spend time with sure. loved ones and you guys are loved ones. Sure. But you're just talking about dusting off your bag. And then I was looking I'm gonna at the names. Need, I'm going to, I'm going to need some place to stay if I skip my son's birthday party to come play the short course with you guys. So Nobody would expect that. I'm just waiting that. for scheduling to, to finalize. Nobody would expect that. Again, obviously we're recording this um, ahead of Thanksgiving week so that we can take that time with loved ones and family. Um, so field not quite full, but hopefully we get you in the field. Hopefully we get, I'd love to get up 16, but uh, by the time that we record the next episode, Phil will be locked in. We'll be able to kind of preview that um, a little bit more in depth. But uh, while we're at it, we want to talk a little bit about the overlook. This is just like we briefly mentioned talking about the barn burner earlier. The overlook was a huge turning point for the roost last year. Our first overnight event following that event, we had the barn burner, which was our biggest event to date. Just feels like it, it provided us a huge um, launching point for, for the year that we had in 2023. Yeah. And the, I mean, honestly, the weather wasn't great, but the vibes were off the chart from the moment we got there. We had personal carts there. I mean, we kind of overtook the golf course a little bit. Um, but man, it was a fun event. Um, that golf course is just a really fun golf course to play. I think it's, it's really playable all skill levels and you can hit some shots out there. Oh yeah. Uh, it's going to ask you to hit some shots and then it's going to give you some, some places where you, you can just kind of do whatever you want to do and, and be creative. And, and uh, for the most part, I, I feel like I hit almost every club in the bag, which is something that I'm on record is, is well, really liking. And it's also like, you know, the first event, you know, we were, was that the first, no, it was Murfreesboro was the first event, but we still do, uh, Pledge of Allegiance and uh, everything before we tee off. Yeah, I love that. That was a great. I love when we get the Pledge of Allegiance involved. And when we're in a golf course and like there's a ton of people around, I hate to like stop everything to do it. But whenever we're at a golf course and it's like miserably cold and we're the only ones there, it's so sick to have everybody be cold and just want to be warm and like go play golf. And it's like, all right, everybody staying here for ninety seconds. Yeah. Play the national anthem. You got guys coming out of the pro shop, you know. It's the best. It's the best. It just means more. Um, so yeah, after the excitement surrounding last year's event, we will gonna we're gonna do pretty much the same thing. We're gonna be randomly pairing the field into two man teams from A and B pods um, for an expanded twenty seven holes of competition. Weather dependent, obviously. It's January. Um, the morning will feature a four ball session. Um, 18 holes of four ball and the afternoon will feature a scramble session um, with closest to the pins throughout the day. Cash, cash payouts for individual session and overall uh, winners. So when both sessions are combined, those guys will get paid out. Um, but it's going to be a proper day um, lodging available for $100 a night for Friday and Saturday because we're going to get down there, play a little practice round on Friday for the guys who want to. Um, but the event's only going to be $160, which I know it's, it's not the most affordable event that we have, but Limestone has really gone up on their prices. They're still being flexible with us. And so this is an opportunity to get out on one of those golf courses that is really trending upwards and to be able to do it in an affordable and cool way. Yeah, they held the uh, Alabama uh, State Four Ball last year. Uh, High school tournaments uh, yeah, like at it, the state level. They've been doing a bunch of stuff out there. It's a, I mean, it's a real golf course, and it's one of the most unique settings for a golf course when you're driving into that place. I mean, you drive 
for three or four miles into this neighborhood, this wooded, heavily wooded neighborhood. Almost, it almost feels like you're kind of going down into a quarry almost the way you kind of wind through the mountains a little bit. Like and, a state park. Yeah. And, um, but I mean, shout out, uh, JT Meese. That's what, uh, what I was going to say next. Yep. Justin Meese, uh, they have done a great job with that golf course. They, they did a little bit of a renovation, what about 18 months ago, two years ago. And really one of the, the best, some of the best bent grass greens you'll play that far South. Um, I was really blown away by the conditions of the golf course. Yeah. I mean, I'll say the best bent greens yeah. I've played that far South. And, yeah. and I know that they've had people coming in from all over the South and all over the place to, to figure out what they're doing there because yeah, all credit to, to Meese and their staff. They're they're doing a really solid job with that. And we're fortunate to kind of have that ability to go down there and take over the cottages and, and do all the, the cottage. I mean, where we stayed. I mean, do we get to stay there again? Yeah, yeah, stay. we got we got them. Man, that made the trip. I think and we, we had like and both we did, of them. And we did the pod yep. down there. Um also their food and beverage area is top notch the breakfast burrito i mean sent me on my way that day i will say you know right now we still have a little bit of time before registration closes uh in the middle of december Kreider and i are the only tennessee guys in the field we got to get some more tennessee guys going down there i know it's right after the holidays but you'll hear beers talk about it here in a few minutes making that decision to go down and do something that even though you play with these guys, you know, semi-regularly, some of them more often than others to go down here and to get this experience in a different place. It's really cool, man. Oh yeah. And that, you know, we you won't get, go you, to that Mexican restaurant. Yeah. I can tell you that much right now. Um, you're so bougie with your Mexican, but anyway, like middle of the night, we go out and put on that putting green. And before we step on it, we're like, is this do or is this frog? Should we do this? <laughs> Turns out everything was fine. Yeah, no, everything was fine. Everything was but fine. But we have a, a little alt shot in the middle of like one o'clock in the morning on the putting green, a little yeah. two-man alt shot. Yeah, like these are the things that uh, can only happen in the high cotton club. Um, so you got to get involved where you can get involved. We take a brief break from today's episode to tell you about the fine folks in the Patton family at the Rudder at Anchor High Marina in Hendersonville, Tennessee. If you've been following the High Cotton Club for a while or if you're watching on Spotify and see all the great stuff in front of me and behind me, then you are aware of the testament to Patrick Patton's effort, energy, and execution whenever he puts his mind to something and that he puts that same effort, energy, and execution towards what they're doing at the Rudder at Anchor High Marina. So make sure you check them out, even though it's the holidays right now, maybe after Thanksgiving, Black Friday, stuff like that, you want to go get a bite to eat around Hendersonville. November 24th and 25th, they have live music from 6.30 to 10.30, but they're still open, even though it's winter, um, Wednesday through Thursday, 11 to 10, Friday through Saturday, 11 to 11, and Sunday, 11 to 10. Make sure you check them out at 126 River Road in Hendersonville, Tennessee, or give them a call at 615-348-0129. We appreciate the rudder at Anchor High very much. And without any further ado, let's get back to the episode. It's We're in a weird place, and I've said it before. I'll say it again. This time of year is weird because, you know, 2023 is ending, but we're in the middle of our 2024 season. And, you know, we – we have uh, Sand Slam. We have the Overlook. We have uh, the Barn Burner, the Farmer's Cup, the Mother Clucker. 
um, the hunt, and then one more event before the extinction of the showdown. So six, seven events is all you're going to get um, out of the rest of the season. And, um, you know, not all of those are going to be close to you. So get involved where you can, when you can. There's no off season in the high cotton club. I'll take a wraparound. <laughs> I'll take a but wraparound. It, we're in an area where you do, I feel like we talk about it over and over about the golf scene in our area. And you do have to drive a little bit, but this is a great opportunity that if you want to play really a, just a top end golf course and also have an awesome weekend with everybody like this is a great event to do it is one of my i think i said last year it was probably one of my favorite events of the year mm -hmm. when we did it and i i look forward to going back i know i haven't signed up yet but it but hey that's just getting to be your mo I'm, we, <laughs> i've got other things i have to schedule to make sure it's okay hey I, I totally get it um i i can't entirely relate but i you know I don't have I an empty 3,000 square foot house here. All okay? right. We don't have to I go have there. other people I have to clear shit with. We don't have to go there. I've been here with you all day while my horses are waiting on dinner. So I think, you know, we, we make some equal sacrifices here for, for the betterment you and success today? of the high Club. I'm starving. <laughs> I was really hoping to get to KFC before they closed. I think I've spent more hours at Connor's house today than I have in my own office. So, yeah, hopefully uh, you all enjoy. All these podcasts that are coming out, we're going to have another one coming out with Brian Ross, a special solo podcast with Mr. Brian Ross, uh, kind of previewing the extinction for this year as we visit with him to recap the extinction for last year. Of course, registration for the extinction opens on Cyber Monday at 8 a.m. So set your alarms, set your uh, you know calendars accordingly. If you've been following us on Instagram, you can't miss it. I've been trying to make sure you can't miss it. So uh, we're very excited about all that, just as we're excited um, for you all to hear this conversation with Mr. Jacob Beers, uh, High Cotton Classic board uh, committee, uh, board member, and then member of the High Cotton Classic rules. I don't know what I'm saying at this point. Just roll the audio. Mr. Macacho himself. Rich, some guys like it quiet, some guys like it loud. This is. Yeah, the gator needs to look like he needs some exercise. I don't know. Of course, the conditions now that he has to play the shot test anyone. It's a great story. Welcome back in to Dialed In, a podcast by the High Cotton Club. Here with Connor Henderson, we got our good buddy, OG, Jacob Beers, a.k.a. Beers. How you doing, buddy? Good, man. First time, long time. I may be actually second or third time, but 
Still, I'm here. Thanks yeah, for the invite, like guys. Been on before. I don't know. Oh yeah, he's been on a few times. Was that uh the mother? No, not the mother, but the uh, the overlook, the first live pod. Weren't you there for that? Yeah, yeah. that was a bit of a show, you know. And then I think was, we did one after the Roos Club Championship last year. Yep, yeah, exactly. No, that uh, that Overlook pod was one of the, still one of the best numbers that we've ever done. Uh, did great numbies. But we're excited to have you on today. Um, it's kind of a weird point in the High Cotton Club's year as winter is starting to kind of buck its head. Um, but we're in the middle of our roost season still um, with things kicking off in August as part of our wraparound season. So we wanted to uh, kind of start checking in with a bunch of our members, and we're pleased to be able to start off with you as um, one of our OGs, as Stu said. When uh, we first met, it was in the first High Cotton Classic. Um, how did you just kind of hear about that and, and get involved from the very beginning? So I guess it starts with um, I moved to Nashville in 2019, um, about four years ago, and uh, honestly didn't know anybody. Uh, so I was pretty active on the refuge. I didn't post much, but I just kind of lurked. Um, and I saw that, uh, I actually met you, Connor, at uh, Sweetens one time. It was just a random day that you were out there. And we uh, drank a few uh, seltzers and, and had a good day. Um, but after that, I didn't realize that you were the guy Lefty Sauce on uh, the refuge posting. So you posted that you were having a, a match play competition. I think that's how I joined up. Um, this was pre-Roost, but um, that's kind of how I joined into the whole whole club that was kind of our roots yeah and for those who who haven't been following that long or haven't uh scrolled back and, and seen the uh however long it is video of oh, you and i uh recapping our final match um you took me down in the first uh edition of the high cotton classic at fox and where we just held our member member this past weekend or two weekends ago now um and so it, it's been uh Great to see you compete from the very beginning and get involved with that win. You earned a position on the High Cotton Classic Rules Committee, uh, where as our inaugural winner, you have held your position the entire time. Um, and then as just being one of the OG guys, and, and we'll get to there, but you've been also a huge part in the High Cotton member board um, and helping us out with there, helping us out with all those things. Um, but as you said, you got started with the High Cotton Classic. What happened to you in the second after winning the first? Uh, what was that one? Um, I'll be honest, I kind of forget. I, I lost to, uh, I think, Peyton Falk in that one. Okay. Uh, I think if that was correct. Yeah, he beat me out of his home course. Uh, beat me pretty bad. I think it was like four and three. Was that um, at Country Hills? Fox no, no, no. That, I, I got my ass whipped out there too by him and Butterfield. But um, no, that was at uh, Foxland. Okay. Just didn't have it that day. But uh you know, some, are, some are saying that Peyton's got Beers' number. He does. He does. Um, I will say the four ball was – it was a little tough because, you know, I had your base playing as like a four. And uh, I think yeah, we – the, the Gervais single-digit <laughs> handicap days. Yeah, those are the days. Uh, is it Butterfield? Is that his last name? Yeah, Josh Butterfield. Okay. I think he, I think he shot 64 that day. I shot 66. And I think Falk shot 72 par 70 out of Country Hills. And I think we lost six and five. So <laughs> that tells you anything. We lost three straight holes, eagle, net double eagle, eagle. So tough to do, tough to come back from that. Um, that's a tough scene. Tough scene. Some, some <laughs> days you're the bug, some days you're the windshield. That's right. Yeah. Big um, time there. So after that second edition, um, that was 
in the fall of that year that we started everything. There were some guys itching to get back together. Were you in the you weren't in the first edition, were you? Or were, yeah. yeah, you were in the very first I signed, up on, I signed up on Facebook like Beers <laughs> yeah, did. Yeah, I don't know why I'm thinking that's, that you weren't. That's so, where uh, Mr. 64 yeah. came from. Right? That's, that's that was the original Mr. 64 because I remember that's not knowing right, anybody in the, yeah. that's right. in the tournament. I'm thinking. We're recording right and, now. Uh, I knew Connor and I was just like, Jesus, this guy shot 64. We've got with an auto flex. That's gonna be an absolute problem. We can't do that. And uh, but no, it was great. Met some good people through it, and I think most of them. I mean, I think we had 16 people. Um, I'd say at least half are still members, right? Get them out. Yeah, still a lot of uh, a lot of guys from that first classic still heavily involved, and that was all Uh, Mm pre-roost. I I still remember when I shot that 64. It was against Trenton Gott. Yep, and uh, he had come all the way down from madison kentucky i mm-hmm. think is where he was came down and played the legacy and, and he was Tr- given like 13 shots yeah or getting 13 shots and and trenton and i had played some golf together in the past so like we had known each other and that was just one of those days where i made everything but i still remember every now and again i've gone back and like watched the original interview because you had played on that course the same day i feel like earlier earlier than me maybe but you were there yeah and you interview me, and I, it's like Ricky. Like I've never been interviewed <laughs> for anything, and I'm like sitting here talking. I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> so that, those were the most uh, awkward looking early. thing I've ever watched in my life. Oh those man, mine and, Connor's, mine and Connor's is worse. Some of my buddies still text me that they saw I got tagged in it, so they'll go watch it whenever they need to laugh. And the thing is, that was like the fourth or fifth fifth iteration, so that was the best one we did. So. <laughs> Yeah, well, what what kept happening was didn't my phone was full of storage from all the content that I had taken over the classic. So every time we got a couple minutes in, it would just shut off, um, and that that was a, an issue that we fought for a long time, and kind of the reason that some of the content uh, around the classic stopped. But um, you know, it, it's tough to get out to all those matches when when we have transitioned into the the full roost that we are, and it's not just the high cotton classic anymore. And you were part of those original conversations in December at 12 Stones for uh, what we called the roundup. We were just going to get everybody together and, and play a little golf. And I think we had 16 or 20 guys out there. On a cold day at 12 Stones. It was too, cold. Nonetheless. I actually, it was kind of like the – I don't – I don't. I, if I remember correctly, um, I had listened to the Nest Pod on my way to 12 Stones that exactly. day. And it was me, you, Tanner Sandell, and I think Patrick Patton. Yep. And we were just talking about how we we're going to keep on having events all year round. And I was like, I, I don't know if I mentioned it or someone else mentioned it, but someone else had listened to it too. And we were like, well, the No Laying Up guys are starting this roost thing. We should just apply for that. And um, it seems like there's a couple groups like us that um, were pre, not a roost beforehand, but a, a group beforehand. Um, I know California's got some guys. I know, our, obviously, RACDG, I always mess it up, Europe. And then uh, I think Queen City already had one, too. Um, we just didn't have names. We just had golf groups, you know. Well, I mean, um, yeah, all respect to North Carolina. They did have the Chatham Long Club. Um, they were pretty organized. And I think that they were the ones who kind of – they were the impetus for it, even though there were the groups all throughout, you know, the country and Europe and stuff like that. So give credit where credit's due there. Yeah, it was um, – and I think – I mean, that was December. And I think – when was our first event as a roost? February? Maybe maybe March. So we kind of hopped yeah. on quick. 
January. That was at the beginning of February because I it's remember the heater. Um, first event. It was the handshake at oh. the Legacy. The um, heater was uh, Murfreesboro. Yep, it was the handshake at the Legacy, and that was a career day for me. But I remember being in Maryland for the holidays and like setting up all this roof stuff and like thinking like, all right, we're gonna get back and it's gonna be like plan a first event and. It was awesome to have, I think we had 16 guys out there and it was freezing cold, like snowing, raining, mixing, miserable. And still we had a great time. And I don't know why I was driving around with a Yeti cooler when it's freezing cold, but Hey, everybody had stuff that they wanted and uh, it was a great time. We were the only people on the golf course that day. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Fond memories because it's funny going, thinking about, I mean, we're not where we want to be, but Looking back, and now we're you guys are on Casa de Hendrickson studio, and uh, we're doing podcasts. You know, it's crazy. Hey, one percent every day. One yeah. percent every day will get you a long way. Um, so yeah, you're part of those original conversations, part of the transition. Um, what has your experience been like since we've made that transition? Obviously, um, we talked to you on a previous podcast about the the Roost Club Championship and stuff like that, um, but in terms of just now looking back with a little bit more of a 10,000 feet view um, over the past two years, how do you feel um, your experience has gone and the roost has uh, grown overall? Oh, it's been awesome. Um, it's been, inc- I mean, it's some- literally something every day that impacts my life, whether it be just talking crap in the discord or looking forward to an event or, you know, making sure that I can make the next event. Um, just planning every day to kind of be around who are now some of my best friends, you know, um, we've got, I mean, a good group of, I'd say a hundred or so in discord that are always communicating. Um, and then a good amount of guys who participate too. So, um, it's been great meeting some, I mean, like I said, some of my best friends who I never would have met, I never would have met you guys. Um, and it's, it's just crazy where we, where we came so far and I'm just hoping to grow a little bit more, you know, get more people involved. Um, although it feels like we've kind of slowed down on that, but that's just because I think we've got everybody already. So. Yeah, I mean, if, if you look at the the heat map that you know you sent out when they were first talking about the roofs, like we were never really supposed to have what we have, and we've kind of dug it out of the mud, um, just like the dirty South should. And yeah. uh, we've been able to to scrape a bunch of people together, and hopefully, you know, we we do want to continue to grow, but that's just so that we could service more people. But you know, obviously, our focus is on continuing to service our membership and. Uh, really make sure that everybody has a chance no matter what their involvement level is to feel engaged constantly and uh, to feel that ability to uh, stay involved without there being some huge barrier to entry. Yeah. And, and and I think if you look at the footprint map and you look at places that have the highest, you know, growth rates in their, their roofs also have extremely, accessible golf courses yeah in their areas and and we'll get into this a little bit more later but you know we've talked you know it's it's not like a broken record but man really middle tennessee it's a sort of a tough scene for for the crowd that we're looking for uh the guy that belongs to a country club that he pays six figures a year for is not really interested in no joining us Uh, I mean, if you can pay that much for golf, like more, more to you, but it's not really the, the, 
the crowd that's you know coming in to, to play with us really yeah they just don't have the interest because they're yeah. they're happy with where they're at and um people have talked to me you know over the past couple months like about roost splitting up and stuff like that and new roost forming and asking if we are you know kind of eligible for that and my answer candidly candidly is if we split up we wouldn't be a roost yeah. Middle Tennessee probably isn't enough to be a roost on its own. Mm-mm. Kentucky isn't enough to be a roost on its own. Alabama isn't enough to be a roost on its own. But when you put us all together, you throw in Southern Indiana with Clay and the gang, and then some guys from Mississippi. Now we have a great thing, and uh, it's it's a credit to our membership that's willing to travel and stay engaged yep. throughout the throughout the year and in, in that schedule because we do have a pretty crazy schedule and. Um, I don't expect everybody to show up to every event, but to, to give people those options, hopefully close to home, hopefully in their price range at some uh, stage throughout the year, that's the goal that we, you know, constantly chasing. Yeah, and that's well, something that, the, yeah sorry, go, go ahead, Beers. I would go say just like the, the experiences that you have with it, if you're willing to travel a little bit, you know, get off the beaten path. I remember driving down to uh, Alabama January last year with Walt, just like, why am I going to Limestone Springs, you know? And I'm hanging out with the same people that I hang out with, but, you know, it's just a couple hours down the road and it was the best time ever. Stayed in a cottage. Um, it's just stuff that comes out that you would never expect to do. You know, playing Broth Creek, I would have never had that experience. You know, I never would have. There's no reason for me to go to Kansas City, you know. And, you know, that was one of the better, probably the best golf weekend of my life. You know, it was so much fun. And, you know, you just once you do it once and get involved and we're such an open community that everyone wants to ask you, hey, what's your name? What do you do? Where are you from? You know, and then obviously we all have this main thread of decently being connected to no laying up. But um, it's just incredible what what this whole system's done for, you know, Middle Tennessee and kind of our our roost that uh, we've we've got a ton of experiences and gained so many friends just in the last year and a half. You know, it's nuts. Maybe two years. Yeah. And I mean, like you and I, Beers, even through the first classic, uh, I don't. I don't think Beers and I ever really crossed my pass. Um, I don't think till maybe the second classic or, or till we actually became a roost that Beers and I became friends. And, you know, Beers and I You're probably don't. Look at this now. My wife's having your baby. It's crazy. I know. It's crazy. <laughs> All right. So moving on. Johnny, um, Johnny Stew number two. We've been uh, engaged in conversations over the past several days or uh, last week now. Um with the High Cotton Classic Rules Committee, which you're a part of, and the High Cotton Member Board, which you're both a part of. Um, just trying to make sure that we're setting the roost up for success for the future um, in regards to, you know, some changes to posting all match play handicap scores now, or mm-hmm. match play scores to the handicap system now, um, as well as a change that, probably the change that I'm most proud of is giving players 60 and older, which we, we have had some older members or older players now, um, but also 16 and higher handicaps, giving them the option to play one tee up. They don't have to take the option if they want to play back with everybody else and get those couple more strokes. But, you know, their their handicap will adjust if they do want to play that one forward tee. And uh, when we talked about it earlier, you know, 6,600 yards is kind of our general rule of thumb, that or one up. And uh, for those guys who that's just a little too far, hopefully this gives them an opportunity to kind of climb that leaderboard over the the rest of the season and into uh, shoot the 2025 season. That was the original regional, right? It was playing from the tips, baby. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no, nobody wanted to do that, but there, there is something to be said about 
just playing too far back. Um, yeah. For your skill level, I I've never liked the the adage that your tees should be dictated solely because of your handicap or solely because of your age. Like it, it's a moving target. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are guys who are high handicaps who can hit it a long way, and there are guys who are lower handicaps that can't hit it very far. And uh, that's hey, where chill, the trope chill, system chill here. Into play. I'm right yeah. here, man. I'm gonna say like that. Yeah, hand hands up all around here. Yeah. These guys, uh, yeah, swing harder. That's exactly but what it is. It's, it always goes straight math. Too. It's just math. It's but just you math. were instrumental in in uh, those conversations and those changes. So um, coming off of those and coming off of the success that we've had over the past two years, what's kind of your hope for the future of the High Cotton Club? Um, and, and what's that trending like? Well, just kind of going off what you said from the high handicap there, we kind of noticed, honestly, thanks to Unknown Golf, um, some trends that, you know, there is a sweet spot in that low to mid handicap range for our events that kind of cater, I don't want to say caters towards them, but like we've had a innate amount of winners from that, you know, we'll call it three to eight handicap range. Um, and that can either be because they're more consistent towards their handicap. They have less variation. I don't know what it is, but um, we're kind of catering more towards um, everybody. I know it can be intimidating, um, especially like, so, it's a short story. Like my wife started playing golf recently, you know, and just going and paying for 18 is it's something that I've never really noticed before, but like it's intimidating just to go and ask for a cart, you know, and you don't see it with us because we've done it so many times and it's so simple, but it's just opening that kind of um, opening that gate a little bit more and uh, hopefully making people feel more comfortable. Yeah. Uh, I'm happy that we've uh, been able to come to consensus through all of our committees get that out to the discord last week. And um, yeah, now moving forward, hopefully everybody is uh, in that position to succeed because while winning isn't everything, while our mission remains on forming those relationships through fun and fair events, we also want our guys to have that dog in them and to want to yeah. win. And so yeah, low to have that ability to go chase that leaderboard, everybody needs to feel that thrill. We take a final break from today's episode to talk to you about the extinction at Park Mammoth, the High Cotton Club's 2024 No Laying Up Roost Major and NIT Qualifier. If you've been following us at all, then you know that registration opens Cyber Monday, November 27th at 8 a.m., but registration for High Cotton Club members, not just paid members, any member of the Roost, opens Sunday at 8 a.m., so make sure you're checking your Unknown Golf Player portal for access to that. But a few details before we get back into the talk with Mr. Jacob Beers. $400 entry fee for a field of 75. We're going to hold three spots for a field of 78 in case we need to add a few key pieces or want to open up the field to anybody on the wait list. But 75 players, the first 75 players to submit their $100 deposit for their $400 entry fee. If you want to go and pay the whole thing, you can. Uh, Booking for the hotel will be available immediately upon registration. It's going to be available in this document that I'm reading from. For your $400 entry fee, you're going to get 36 plus holes of golf. If you want to play in the practice round, it's going to be $500. But you're going to get 36 plus holes of golf. You're going to get $350 plus worth of swag. You're going to get four meals, drinks. We're going to be giving away bigger Yeti coolers than we did last year for close to the pins. A bunch of great prizes, more prizes than we had last year. Um, so get involved with this great event. It's going to be one of those that you don't want to miss. Obviously, Park Mammoth is one of the High Cotton Club's favorite venues, and we'll be uh, posting a podcast with the architect, Mr. Brian Ross, um, later this week. 
talking about the event, talking about the golf course, and he's got some announcements that he wants to make regarding his participation in the event. So stay tuned for the extinction at Park Mammoth. Friday, June 7th will be our practice round, Calcutta. June 8th will be our big day of golf, and then June 9th, everybody can depart as they want. It's going to be, as I said, 36 holes with 18 holes of Stableford quota, uh, and then after that, we'll flight the field for another 18 holes of Stableford quota uh, with the top two uh, top spot in each flight earning a spot to the NIT. Um, again, $400 for this event with a uh, deposit of $100. Lodging is available for $175 a night, but please remember that all Calcutta bids are not included. Um, a minimum bid of $75 is required for your team, but you can split that with the other two two members of your team. So only $25 kind of required there. Um, registration, again, opens Cyber Monday, November 27th at 8 a.m. for the first 75 players. You do need a handicap. We're going to do no refunds on the uh, um, deposits. So make sure that you're signing up with the intent to show up. Last year we had a full field, and this year we look forward to filling the field once again. Uh, due to the nature of the event and the busy schedule that we're going to have, it's going to be riding only. So if you have any other questions, please do not hesitate to reach out, but we're very much looking forward to this event. Uh, some more information is going to be posted on the Refuge, on Discord, on Unknown Golf. But without any further ado, let's get back to the episode. All right, so we talked a lot about the High Cotton Club. I appreciate you coming on. Now let's yeah. dig into the nitty-gritty, brother. Uh, it was last week, I guess, that the Fried Egg released a podcast with um, Bruce Hepner, who has been taking the reins um, over the project um, down at Percy Warner. And we'll get into some of the, some of the other things that are he's getting into around Nashville. Um, but the, there was some short conversation and discourse on the refuge mm-hmm. about it some more lengthy conversation and discourse about it in our discord. I don't, I probably fired off some, you know, takes from my hip, but like I said, that was just some gut reactions. I went back, re-listened to it. Uh, I have some notes. I'd love to, you know, break it down with you, get your takes because I think that we're kind of on opposite sides of this. And I don't think that there's any right side and we won't know until 10, 15, 20 years down the road. But because Nashville golf is so near and dear to the High Cotton Club and so bad, I think that it's uh, warrants the conversation. So just I'm I'm right there with you, man. I'm excited for the lively discussion. Um, But more than anything, you know, since I moved to Nashville, there's so I'm originally from West Virginia, Huntington, West Virginia, where there's three decent golf courses and none of them take tee times. You have to roll up whatever day it is. And you have to get in line and that's kind of the bottom of the barrel there's not really a good golf scene unless you want to go private and even the private's not very good um it is a little bit more affordable but as far as waiting in line to go play golf there i can't imagine a worse system um sure. so i will say anything better than that makes me a little bit more optimistic which is kind of where i stand on the nashville golf scene um kind of where we stand on the off you've seen it a lot longer than i have so i listen i have time to be pessimistic but uh, as of right now, I'm kind of optimistic for the future. What would you – you're talking about uh, in West Virginia where you pretty much have to sit there and wait in line. What would you feel more frustrating with having to do that or calling four to five different golf courses on Tuesday for a Saturday tee time and having nothing available? 
Hey, so this is part of it. Um, Harpet, so I'm a Muni rat, like you guys said. I played there for four years, played all the courses. There's nothing worse than – so they take tee time seven days in advance, all right? If you call Harpeth Hills at 8 a.m. on Saturday for the next 8 a.m. on the next Saturday, as close as you can get to the time, you're not going to get a tee time to 11. And that's just part of the good old boys club. You can't get in it. We've, we've tried to infiltrate it. I think Paul MacArthur yeah. said he tried to infiltrate it, and the guys were absolute – you can go from there. Um, yeah. But no, it's definitely frustrating. But I will say where I go to, most of my golf is played after work. Go play nine. Get in when you can. That's it. It's not always Saturday, Sunday golf. So um, that is kind of my perspective on the whole thing. On that side. Of I it. think I'll set the context for my opinions coming from a former uh, profession, golf professional that I have seen what it takes to run a successful golf course. And I really don't think that it takes that much. And so yeah, I see no, I so many, so many courses and staffs doing less than the bare minimum. And when you know, when you can't get a cart at Ted Rhodes past two o'clock sometimes, right? Because they want to leave, like that is a bare minimum thing to me. Um, and that that goes back to the city, and we'll get into that. But that's been a huge part of my frustration, and it, it extends beyond just the municipal golf around Middle Tennessee. There's been some bad staffs beyond that. Um, we have some good staffs too, but it's just one of those things that we've dealt with. So diving into this project and, and kind of the podcast that, that spurred on this discussion um, was the Fried Egg Podcast with Bruce Hepner, um, where he discusses Percy Warner and all the projects uh, upcoming in Nashville. Um, the project that's been going on in Percy Warner started when a uh, Hillwood member and a Tennessee Golf Foundation trustee that you're actually familiar with took sure. Bruce to uh, Percy Warner in 2018 because he wanted him to see where he grew up mm-hmm. playing. Yeah, Stuart, uh, Stuart Smith. He uh, actually met him probably about 10 years ago. Uh, met him through a friend, my Long-time TGA four-ball partner, good buddy. Uh, Jeff Walker was a roommate and teammate of Stewart's at Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And they played together. So I got to meet Stewart a long time ago. And, and he's come up and played at the Legacy with us a lot and come and played in the game. Just a really thoughtful guy, very intelligent guy. There's probably no one better that uh, Mr. Hetner could have, you know, took refuge in as far as, you know, going out there and walking the course with. Um, so it was, it was really cool to kind of hear that and, and just and to hear that, you know, Stuart had a little bit of a play and, you know, picking his brain and walking him around that golf course. But I thought it was really interesting to hear how, when he was walking in, you know, he's kind of looking at the bones of the golf course mm-hmm. saying, like, Oh, this was, it's a good layout. But I feel like I'm seeing more and more where golf courses are taking out bunkers or at least mm-hmm. minimizing them for a, for maintenance. But also, I mean, you go to places and legacy was one of them for a long time. We, we did this renovation a few years ago where we had so many bunkers that were not even in play. Exactly. And yeah. they were just up. Yeah. You know, roll them all back, baby. In 2018, when uh, he, they did go out there, they had summer winter greens, uh, no grass um, kind of, around those areas um they say that i i kind of got 
both sides where I thought he said it, you know, the grass in the fairways was really rough, but then later on in the podcast, he says that the the grass was kind of Darwinized where it was really tough. So I, I don't know what kind of condition the fairways were in, um, but this is to set some, some context for where Percy Warner is in the scope of Nashville Metro Muni golf. Um, it is in Bellmead, which is in Davidson County, but it is just over a mile from the Williamson County border. Mm-hmm. Um, Williamson mm-hmm. County, for those who don't know, the 22nd richest county in the country. Um, yep. Apparently, Jim Nance lives seven houses down from Percy Warner Golf Course. Um, Percy Warner Golf Course is eight minutes from Harpeth Hills, operated by the same professional. Um, Harpeth Hills has a flourishing junior program with 100-plus uh, golfers, one of which is Jim Nance's son. Um, so this place truly sits on the county line between the finest parts of Nashville, right? And the finest parts of suburban Nashville. Um, it's, so we, so. It, it's four minutes from Bellmead Country Club, 15 minutes from Richmond Country Club. So mm-hmm. there is other golf around, um, you know, Harvest Hills, like we talked about, it's it's inaccessible, but it does have a, a flourishing junior program. Um, to guys who are going to be, you know, it sounds like from the from the fundraising efforts that happened, um, you know, friends of Warner Park were a huge part of that um, because they had been already putting millions into cosmetic improvements in the park at large. Um, but that's mm-hmm. exactly what they're doing: masonry and stuff like that. Those, that's all generally cosmetic improvements and they're spending millions of dollars on this stuff. Um, they eventually raised $2.5 million um, through the, you know, private fundraising kind of spearheaded by a Tennessee golf foundation, friends of Warner park of which $1.7 million was going to go to the actual golf course. They talk about it in the uh, brief kind of segment that we're referring to that um, Percy Warner had two guys maintaining the golf course. So I'm assuming that that 800,000 out of that 2.5 million that isn't being used is supposed to go to staffing and to maintenance to make sure that this place doesn't deteriorate. Um, Because my general fear going back to the context that I provided at the beginning with a lack of staffs that are capable of running and dedicating themselves to making these golf courses great if it's the same pro who's at harpeth hills he's not there making it great and like yeah and that's an issue for me does each um does each public track or does every muni have its own pro i feel like i've seen the same pro at different uh locations that one doesn't i mean yeah that that answers the question right there and i I think think that shelby and the vinnie would answer the same question yeah i think that with the staffing win i remember hearing him say going you know trying to go from two guys that were maintaining the golf course to four guys maintaining and they said hope they did say hope that made me a little pessimistic i love the idea that he brought in where um the junior program they had basically the first lesson for the kids was to go out and learn how to repair divots and they just go around and, and rake repair divots and rake bunkers. But uh, and at, that's at some point he talked about his ability to, you know, truly build bunkers to where outside water won't come in. And I'm about to go in. I don't doubt that. I'm sure he's great at his job, but we have lived in Nashville all of us long enough, even though I know you moved here more recently than us being from here mm-hmm. 
to see it rain for three days straight. And like yeah, and at the end of that three days straight, what do those bunkers look like? Yeah. And how is the staff equipped to handle that? And I know he said everything's going to be hand-raked, but I'm just concerned not over the first year, not over the second year, but like we said, what's the success of this place going to look like in 10 years, five to 10 years? And then we're going to have, we'll get into it here in just a second, but we have what one, two, three, possibly four more projects getting done before we know mm -hmm. if this one's going to be successful. Yeah, that's true. I think that comes from, you know, the private money being invested. They want to see something quick, especially with, I mean, we'll, we'll just take Jim Nance, for example, you know, he's not, he wants to see this probably in the next five years because I mean, I don't know how, how old is Jim Nance? 60, 65. Mm -hmm. He probably wants to see it for his grandkids to be able to, I mean, there's no public investment into like a private entity like that. That's devoid of all like personal interest. You know, they want to see something for their money if it's not going to be something in return of money. So I get kind of where they're coming from. Um, and I, I really like what he was talking about, how the, golfers don't ruin bunkers golf course maintenance ruins bunkers i never really thought about that um and he's designing them to where you know they're they're not going to be as tough to maintain and if you go and play in the sand belt you know they they don't maintain them you just let them go so i don't know how accurate it's going to be it just makes me more optimistic that he's actually thinking about these things that um we see as problems and 12 new bunkers um with with like he said you know he knows how to make them um, to where they won't bring in outside water. So uh, 12 new greens, 12 new bunkers, three of those greens supposed to be for, I guess, a new PGA junior program to try to split up the Harpeth Hills because maybe they have too many juniors. Maybe it's to provide something new. Not exactly sure, but, uh, yeah, 12, yeah, 12 bunkers. Too. He talked I'm about actually, not a whole lot of bunkers, and we talked about not a whole lot of bunkers, but it's supposed to be a nine-hole golf course, and you got 12 bunkers, even with the 12 – you know, because of the three practice screens, that's still like a bunker per hole. Yeah, but it also depends on the reshaping. Now, I don't know how they're reshaping them, but I know if you go from, say, a bunker that has a deep facing in it sure. or a deep lip, and sure. then you take it down to, say, you have one big bunker with the deep facing, and you take it down to three pot bunkers with grass yep. facing, then all of a sudden your maintenance is cut in half because yep. the facing is what washes washes out of it predominantly and what you have to you know work so hard to maintain. Whereas if you have, instead of one huge bunker, you've got three pot bunkers, we well, have the same aspect from a design standpoint, but with, you know, 70% less upkeep where you can just use a rake and you don't have to try and spin it. And that's fair. And that's a hope. I mean, with them, this is a, a rather large project for the budget that they spent of $1.7 million to, to build 12 new greens. A lot of people would spend $10 million. So I, I tip my hat off to them for using the money efficiently. Um, you know, they're not USGA conforming greens, but they don't need to be for a place like this. Um, even though, you know, they, they put top soil tees and, they say that they plan to have some some really cool amateur events there. And that's where, mm -hmm. because of all this private money, because of the location of this, I wonder what benefit is this really going to present to the Metro Nashville golf scene? How accessible is it going to be for us to start going 
from the Vinny when they start working on that to take the salute to Percy Warner. Like, are we going to be able to do that? Or are they going to say, no, we let people out here all the time and you j- we're too busy. So the Vinny links actually isn't, I don't think it's actually part of the Metro. Um, it's not like under that umbrella. It's owned by the Tennessee Golf Foundation, owned and operated yeah. by them. It's just, it's just associated because of uh, the proximity to Shelby. And I, I don't know that answer. And honestly, since 2019, so I moved here in 2019. Um, I had never played Percy Warner, and then it got hit by a tornado and closed down, and then they closed it for renovation. So I've never actually played Percy Warner. I just can comment on the other ones. Um, but I'm more of a fan of just investment in those areas because, like we mentioned, those are some of the most – I mean, fruitful areas that you could develop. I mean, I don't know what lots are going for down there, but I don't think it's less than half a million dollars. Um, people are trying to build mansions. A lot of rich people are coming to Nashville, a lot of money, and they could easily flip the switch and turn that into millions as a city. So I, more than anything, I'm just optimistic that they're investing in it instead of closing them down. Um, and I've seen, so I can kind of probably translate how Shelby looks right now to how Percy Warner looked with the temporary greens and stuff like that. Um, and like, like they said in the, in the podcast, you know, Brant Snedeker grew up on Shelby. It's an old, everybody calls it a Donald Ross, but he pretty much just did the routing and kind of drew some pictures of it. I don't think it, his hands on it, you know, Donald Ross has hundreds and hundreds of courses. I think he actually designed a couple dozen, you know, um, but you know, it's part of it, you know, it's part of Nashville's history and it, it's, and to answer your question, you know, maybe, having seven great options instead of, you know, just McCabe, just Harpeth, just two rivers, you know, that's going to be able to spread people out um, over seven different courses instead of, you know, just the three that everybody kind of likes to go to, which I think are Harpeth, uh, Ted Rhodes and two rivers. Well, that would be the hope. They already had to squeeze bureaucracy with the help of Mayor Cooper, with the help of the Tennessee Golf Foundation, with powerful players getting involved. Um, just to get this done. They had the battle red tape to make things happen. Like we said earlier, they're hoping for four maintenance guys. And that doesn't – I don't think that, like Turley said in the Discord, and I've been on this block for a, a while now, that, like, you can't underestimate a good staff inside the golf course making sure things run well. You need a team inside and outside working together to make sure a golf course of whatever size and whatever kind of vibe – works and mm-hmm. you know when when and i i understand we're not going to get the answer um but when they start to talk about moving on to projects like next now at shelby like you just mentioned because brant Snedeker grew up there before mayor cooper left office he donated the the city donated two million dollars outright to the tennessee golf foundation with the intent of redoing shelby where was this after the tornado this happened because it's a gentrified area now and i don't think that we can make any qualms about that this is happening because of gentrification it's not happening because shelby deserves it it's happening for the people who move into the area that that want golf and don't want the the issues that have happened in that golf course in the past few years whether shelby deserves it or not i'm not qualified to say I don't love the golf course. It deserves to be open. It deserves to be better than it is. But to have all of this attention when we can't get staff at two rivers to stay long enough for people to hold the carts. 
when we can't yeah. get ranges put in at two rivers where the space is already there because they don't want to pay for a picker. Like when we can't do these little things, I do have an issue with private funding and city funding from supposedly a billion dollar budget or whatever, a little sprinkle going to things that let's fix what's already happening first. And and if I'm wrong for that, and if that's, you know, my pessimism coming out, I'll put my hand up, but that that's where my kind of pessimism does come from. And, and that's completely fair too. I mean, we, we don't have the answers. I don't know how they run. I don't know the ifs, ands, or buts of it. I just know that every single, I'm sure I'm one of a few that the Nashville Muni process and it, it's, it's been a positive on my life. You know, if it weren't there, it, where's public golf? You know, you got a couple outside of Nashville. You don't have any inside of Nashville. And I just think the fact that they've held off developers for this long is impressive enough to give them the benefit of the doubt. Now, I don't even know what $1.7 million will do for a course. I don't even know if that's just going to be doing the, you know, just redoing the tees or whatever they mentioned. Um, well, $2 million for Shelby um, says that I, I, it seems like they really stretched out the 1.7 out of the 2.5 mm-hmm. that they got for Percy Warner. Um, out of the $2 million that they're looking to spend at Shelby, they are looking uh, to put in all new greens. So they're going to convert the summer and the winter greens into one green. They're going to move car paths around because they felt like car paths in the middle of fairways and stuff like that was an issue. They're going to rebuild the bunkers, improve drainage, and any leftover funds would go to fixing the tees, which I think that's the number one complaint about Middle Tennessee golf in general beyond the Metro Muni system is tees. Like, just give us a flat place to hit the golf ball. Yeah, yeah, and they always end up sliding too. Um, and I don't know how they're, you know, earmarking the funds. Um, maybe they are trying to get investment for future things like Ted Rhodes and they might say it's earmarked for Ted Rhodes, but they might be able to kick that back into, you know, running Percy Warner, their first investment. Um, you never know with how they're going to, you know, I'm, I'm the biggest pessimist and misuse of public funds on earth. Um, but there's, we are a small, small community of golfers. And I'd argue that there's probably for every one of us, there's a hundred people who think that, you know, there shouldn't even be a golf course there. So I think the fight that they've had, you know, is, is a valiant effort and it is serving a, um, a very niche community. And um, I'm thankful for that, you know, and they've, you know, it's not just like, like right beside two rivers is a, like the biggest dog park probably in the state. Like they could easily level that whole thing and put houses on it. You know, there's houses all around it. Same thing with McCabe, same thing with, especially Harpeth. Harpeth is on some very valuable land. Um, and I don't know. I don't have the answer, but overall them putting money into it to fend off developers and to make something that is they can actually be proud of is something that, you know, I'm optimistic for. A hundred percent. I think we, we deserve, they deserve credit where credit is due. Um, just trying to provide a little bit of a, uh, not necessarily devil's advocate cause I'm not Dilly D, but, uh, just kind of like from, from like a former professional side, like seeing these things happen, and seeing things like this go wrong before uh, you have to give credit to, to Bruce for like what he's done at Percy Warner, supposedly with like short grass should make for easy mowing and maintenance all around the greens going greens to straight into tee boxes. Um, and, you know, he, he made the comment that modern construction is excessive. So I think that if that's the guy that the city of Nashville is going to 
hits their wagon to to make these changes, that's probably a good guy to do it because he's not going to to blow through funds excessively and he's going to make the most of the money. And I can uh, totally appreciate and respect that. Um, it's the 800000 that wasn't spent on the golf course. How does the city actually use it to, to run the golf course when they haven't used whatever money they've used in the past adequately? Yeah, I'm with you there. And I think um, I think they mentioned he was a kind of a Tom Doak um, kind of underman and split off. So, I mean, in Doak's kind of principles are using what's there and not being not taking a ton of, you know, bulldozers and everything. They're kind of just using what is there and then not upsetting the ground as much as possible. Um, I mean, you can see that with, I think, no Ups video at the uh, the loop. You know, there's not a ton of stuff going on. They used the ground that was there, cut down some trees um, and didn't really, you know, do a ton of you know, demolition. Um, so I think that the bones are there. I mean, when I, when I think of renovate, like the, if you say renovating a golf course, my first thing that comes to mind is Sweetens Cove. And that's probably unfair to think that every single time that you can take a, a golf course, that's pretty much nothing to one of the, you know, cult heroes of our, you know, our golfing lives in the last 10, 15 years. Um, there's for every Sweetens, there's probably a hundred courses that have been shut down because of, you know, it didn't make fiscal sense. So, it might not be Sweetens. It might not be even a great course, but you know, it's probably gonna be somewhere in between. It's probably gonna be a good place for people to get outside, enjoy a national park. And um, hopefully it's interesting enough for us to, you know, have some events. That'd be fun. You know, we have uh, a course just five minutes down the road from right here. Um, it was a Jack Nicholas design that never got finished. And so I, like I said before, give credit to the folks who are making these things happen. And, and putting their money where their mouth is. Um, the, the thing that I might be most excited about and credit to those people is they're going to try to triple the size of the tee boxes at the Vinny Links with mm -hmm. actual grass. That's going to come all through private funding. Um, so where my problems with Percy Warner being located where it is and benefiting the clientele that it is, where my problems with Shelby Park, even though it's right there, come from the gentrification of the area, I think that doing that for the Vinnie links is huge. And then looking at Ted Rhodes next, Ted Rhodes deserves it's a, I think it's probably, you know, I haven't played Harvard Hills in a long time. I think Ted Rhodes is great giving them some tools for success, like an actual driving range. I think, I think stuff like that. Um, that's for every more so than them looking the entire time forward to going to Harpeth Hills. And and yeah, for I every Harpeth Hills that don't have driving ranges, though. I hate golf courses that don't have driving ranges, and I hate golf courses that they are have to express balls. See, that's not a driving range. That's a yard. I'm, I have a I'm yard. With, I'm with you. Um, but for every, like I was gonna say, for every um McCabe and all these places that sit on valuable land, Ted Rhodes is in a swamp. There's no reason for that, like at least the back nine to exist. No reason for it. But what it does access is an inner, inner city clientele that, you know, doesn't really get out to the private clubs or the courses outside of Nashville that are still part of the Metro Park system. Um, you know, there's stuff. I mean, hell, the guy who was running the cart shop at Shelby got murdered a couple years ago. You know, a thousand percent. And that's why I would rather see these funds go to places like that that truly like if these are public funds and, and I understand those uh, private funds down at uh, Percy Warner, but when we start to get the public funds, I want them to go 
in the in the proper ways to these places that do service these communities that don't have access eight minutes down the road to Bell or to Harvest Hills, five minutes to Bellmead, and 15 minutes to Richland, and they know somebody who's a member there. I'd rather yeah. go to the places like personally, Ted Rhodes was my home course for my high school team. Like, yeah, I I have an affinity for Ted Rhodes and I, I respect the the history that Ted Rhodes, the golfer, and the role that he plays in the game of golf. And I would much rather see all of that happen. And I just think Shelby may not be worth the time. I, I think honestly, I think what, it's only happening because of where it's located. So that's probably true, but the optimistic person in me is thinking that they kind of went uh, the path of least resistance first. They kind of did a proof of concept with Percy Warner because they don't get the traction. It's been shut down for years because of tornado damage or whatever else. They couldn't get funding. They might as well do that one because no one's going to raise their, I mean, be pissed off because they had to close it down for a year for renovations. Um, I didn't care. And I'm a member. I play all the munis and they might be going path of least resistance, proof of concept. They can do it once at Percy Warner. Hopefully it's a good product. And then they can go to Shelby, which for some reason is the most, I've never understood why it's the most expensive of the munis. They all have the same prices except for Shelby. I don't know why. Um, but hopefully that I, every time I'm out in Shelby, there's not that many and people. At least played. So that makes no sense. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That might be the reason why they have to make up for that deficit. But, um, I mean, places like McCabe, I think there's a there's a golf. Have you guys read the Golfer's Journal um, article on McCabe? No, I haven't. But uh, quickly shout out my guy John Odgers, superintendent out there. Worked at him. Worked with him at uh, the Natty. So doing great things out there. Have you guys been out there recently? I mean, it's like it. The only bad thing, I mean, besides not being able to get out there often, is you might get hit with a golf ball. But other than that, I think it's the perfect model for public inner city golf. There's three nines. You can get a tee time on two of the nines. The third is a walk-up. And you can just go play if you want. Just get in line, get in the queue, go join up with people. Um, it's not – the greens are interesting. Fairways are just straight, you know. Um, and the greens are interesting enough for a great player. And, you know, my wife, that's her favorite place to go out and play because everyone's out there in tank top and shorts like the, like um, – What's the guy's name? Whatever, whatever he mentioned the first time he was out at Percy Warner, he saw a guy in a Bud Light T-shirt, backwards hats, jean shorts, and then he saw a guy with Cypress Point polo on, you know. Um, and that's Nashville. You know, you never know who you're going to run into. So, um, overall, I mean, I just think it's a step in the right direction. I'm as pessimistic as you are to see if the use of public funds are um, kind of what they're built up to be because there's a lot of – with politicians and people who have the money to do it, there's a lot of sniffing your own farts and you can kind of see that in the news releases uh, about how everyone's saving all this stuff, saving all this stuff. Nashville public golf isn't going anywhere. There's enough of a market for anybody to do it. And I don't want people to feel like we're just coming at this from a concern of public funds. The, the concern really comes from a change in mindset from the past 10 years of city management of these golf courses, if you're, mm -hmm. if we're going to make this investment, both public and private, can you make this mind shift to manage these properly? And that's what we're going to have to remain to be seen. But like you said, at least somebody's trying and that's, yeah. that's huge. I mean, I think there's a ton of, um, I mean, my goal is to somehow become a member of the bounty club. Just north of Nashville, King Collins design. Well, I think uh, it's going to be. I'll get Nance on that. I think he's already yeah, in there. So, 
that's probably what's going to happen, you know, and it's going to be people yeah. who can afford six figure initiations. You know, I live in Hendersonville. I even, um, yacht and country club up here, bluegrass is a little bit out of my range. You know, it's, there's not that many great private options except for legacy. I want shade legacy. It's a great place. Um, so the route is, you know, public muni golf and we didn't have that in West Virginia. Um, and anytime any of my buddies who are not big golfers want to go play, that's where they want to go play. As It's at the Muni's. It's not – everyone's out there drinking beers. Golf is fun enough. It's not too hard. It's not too expensive. And I think that's where most of the golfing community lies. Um, they're not quite sickos like we are. Yeah, so far, initial numbers I hear is 175 initiation for Bounty Club. All right. So yeah, that's is out of your range. I, I feel like Bounty Club, you may not want to put your name on the waiting list just yet. No, I want to join. I can join Bluegrass. I just don't I got a kid coming, you know, I got your kid coming. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Don't look. My check's in the mail. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Let me know when it, let me know when I can cash it. Um, well, is there any kind of overriding uh, or lingering comment statements that you want to make on anything that we discussed before we get into uh, life advice? Yeah. I think there's never, um, we're not done until we power rank something. So, I think we need to Stu, have you played any of the munis with your private membership up there? Banker life? Semi. Semi public. Semi public. There you go. No, I have played uh Harpeth and okay. let's see. Played Vinny. Um I haven't played Ted Rhodes. I haven't played McCabe. Um Twins am I missing here? Shelby, uh, Percy Warner, I haven't played, so I don't know anything about it. Um, no, I haven't played. I haven't played either one of those. So yeah, I mean, if, if you're asking for a power ranking, I think uh, I'm not going to leave one muni to go to another muni. I have true. standing tea times out here. I can't get, <laughs> even get a tea time in those other places. I'm not going to rank them based on the quality of the golf courses. I'm going to okay. rank them on the quality of contribution they make to the city. Okay. Um, so that would be McCabe one. Okay. Ted Rhodes two. Okay. Uh, I would go Vinny Links three. Um, Harpeth Hills four. Shelby. Wait, I'm missing one somewhere. Uh, Shelby two rivers. Five. Two rivers is probably one you're missing. Oh, yeah. Two rivers is. Uh, so it was. I'll go two rivers. I'll go two rivers above Harpeth Hills. So two rivers, four Harpeth okay. Hills, five Shelby or, uh, yeah, Shelby six, Percy one or seven, just because it's been closed for so long. Those power rankings will shift when it's reopened. But if it, you're been, if you've been closed for this long, I can't, can't put you in the top. Yeah. I, I'm with you. I've never played it. So it's just an X for me. Um, I'll rank them as far as, uh, golf courses just to have the full circle. Um, he, that guy on the podcast said that Harpeth Hills could be the best golf course in Tennessee. Yeah, I thought that was an asinine statement. That's one of the only ones I've played and I really liked it. So I I like it and I'm an optimistic, optimistic person. There's no chance it's the best golf course in Tennessee. None. I really like it. There's nothing. It it is. It's awesome. I feel like it's always wet. Well, 
you know, I'm talking best course in the entire state. Yeah, that's just not going to happen. But I appreciate the hyperbole. Um, so Harpeth, I'm going to go in the road like a word <laughs> and he'll go to Tennessee or yeah. yeah. I mean, it's but, uh, I mean, I, I appreciate it. Um, pump, pump the brakes a little. Yeah, pump the brakes a little bit, you know. Let's, let's That's like, to- you know, if I got to do what I wanted to do at the Natty, it would have been the best golf course in the state. <laughs> Might as well say Southeast, you know. I would have had one of the best top 10 holes in the state. I, I'm confident saying that. Anyways, what were you saying? Um, I was going to go golf courses. Um, I have not gotten on Harpeth. I think Harpeth might be a harder tee time to get than freaking Foxland. It's unbelievable. A thousand percent. It's so hard. Every time you like, and I don't know who it is, but they're incredibly rude, incredibly rude out there. Yeah, um, I agree there. The, the only time I've played Harpeth, I got home with Broton and Broton got a tee time somehow. And I immediately when I walked into the pro shop and was trying to check in, felt like I was unwanted. Yeah. Like no, that's absolutely. my problem with it, the Muni system. I felt like overall. I was a, like I was getting in their way. Yes. Yeah. It's like I just so, want to give you money so I can go play. So the last time I was there, I was with a buddy who's not a big golfer. He just wants to go play Muni's and go play nine. And um, we had a tea time. I think it was in the summer. So like the last tea time you can get, I think it's four o'clock. I'm with you on that. You should be able to go play nine whenever. Um, we get there. No one there. I always check both tees. No one's there. There's a couple people out and about. And uh, we go check in. And uh, he checks in. They have a problem with the card reader or whatever. He's like, oh, I don't have any golf balls. Can I ask him to get some golf balls? And the person at the counter was like, you don't have time. You got to go right now. Well, how are you going to play with no golf balls? And there was no one behind us. No one on the tee. I know I've worked in golf. I know what a packed tee list looks like. And there was no one out there. And like they would not give him golf balls. They wouldn't sell it to him. We were going to walk anyway, right? Because there's. Hey, we were walking. Exactly. And they were just incredibly rude about it. However, I think the only reason they can do that is because of the demand. And the demand's high out there. People play out there all the time. Um, like I said, it's impossible to get a tea time on a Saturday or Sunday before noon. Absolutely impossible. And that's just yes, part of the we, good old boys. We tried to support the Muni system at the in the very first roost event that we had, the handshake. It was supposed to be at Two Rivers. Yeah, mm-hmm. We're almost two years later. I still haven't heard an email back. I will like, say they're they're my second power rank. Thanks for leading me into that. Um, and they're they're much nicer. Um, incredibly welcoming. Um, I I don't know how they are with events, so I can't speak to that. But um, it honestly kind of reminds me of uh, Old Fort. I, I kind of compare those two as golf courses. Um, so I'll go to the next third, McCabe. I think McCabe is an absolute treasure. It Like there's three nines. They're all kind of fun. They have little quirks. The greens are awesome. Have you been out there since they did the new greens? No, sir. They have They have the bounce. You know, the bounce where it doesn't just sit and it, it's two stop two hops before it stops. It's awesome. Um, where are we at? Three, four is what am I missing? Uh, Vinny Links is sick. Uh, have you ever played futsal out there? So if you didn't know, you can no. play soccer too. Uh, yes, we tried that at Legacy for a few for a couple years, played that. I got through like two holes and I was like, I'm done with this. I'm done with this. Give me the big dog. Yeah. Um, 
Vinny Licks is sick. I think it's the perfect little par three course. Um, me and my buddies have had a running joke that we should turn that into like a uh, top golf pop stroke combo and just have a beer cart out there and just have a great time. I mean, you could make a little part three course out there and make a ton of money and serve beer. Um, but it's probably better for the kids. Um, I think I've got Shelby last. Although that's the conversation that we can have is the, the kids. I know we want to give them opportunities, a lot of opportunities out there for the junior golfers in Tennessee. There's a lot, a lot of growing the game. I, I will say though, I do see like they say that, and every time I'm out there, there's always kids out there. I don't know what the program is. Do you guys know what the program is where they actually wear jerseys and have like jersey numbers? Yeah, PGA uh, Junior League. Yeah, yeah, we had that at Legacy, and they honestly they travel all around. And I know, and I think I mean, I think that'd be. A, I think it's a great. I don't know anything about it. I see them all the time. I think it's a great thing, um, especially with getting kids into golf. I'm I'm with you know, not growing the game. I think more people should be kicked out, but, um, you know, that's just my, my opinion. All right. So Vinny links, where are you going next? I think I'm missing one. Uh, Shelby, I think is last, um, never played Percy Warner. Can't say anything about it. What am I missing? Where'd you put Ted Rhodes in there? Oh, Ted Rhodes. So I used to live beside Ted Rhodes. It's probably second to last. I've probably played that one the most. And that might be the reason I just think it's dull. Um, I think it need, I think it needs a facelift. I think it'd be great um, with a facelift. You have to walk like a half mile between ten and eleven, and then seventeen to eighteen. I think that's ridiculous. I mean, you can't. You can only do it. No, and if it rains within five days, you playing there. Um, let's see, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen are all pretty much unplayable. It's it's impossible, and you also might get mugged on the back. So. That, that's my power. So you got that going for you. You got that going for you, you know? Which is nice. Which is nice. All right. So uh, what kind of life advice do you want to hit us with, Mr. Beers? Uh, kind of a thread of, um, I'm a big, uh, I think the last time I said, uh, you don't know you're in the good old days till you leave them. That's, that's hanging up on one of these walls around here somewhere. Um, you know, Ted Lasso vibes. But um, today I'm going to hit it with, uh, leave it better than you found it. My, it's something my dad always told me. Um, I think a great litmus test for if you're a piece of crap is if you don't uh, put your grocery cart back. Um, just you always make it easier for the next guy. You know, um, one of my me and my wife have this joke where we uh, hand out imaginary death cards. And if you just hand out a death card, you're gone. And 95 percent of the time it's at people at airports. Um, so they're always just leaving crap out. You know, going through security is awful. People are just mean people, and that's. Uh, I think just leave it better than you, leave it better than you found it, and uh, try to put a smile on everybody's face. There you go. Um, I'll say, don't let your yearnings get ahead of your earnings. You know, don't count your chickens before they hatch. All that good stuff. Just let that speak for itself, and uh, try to let people apply that however it fits to them. I like that. I'll. Uh... I'll go with create certainty, but leave room for uncertainty. So if everything in your life is planned out, you know, we all know those people who plan everything. And then you also got those people who are um, kind of fly by the seat of their pants. Just, you know, we'll just take it as we get it. I feel like happiness is like somewhere in the middle there. 
Exactly. Like, don't you, you? Yeah, you can't can't be somebody who just plans everything out because it life never works out the way you want it to anyway. But you also don't want to be just flying by the seat of your pants your entire life because you'll just get, you know, uprooted by something and sure. not be prepared. But happiness is no, somewhere in between. Love that. Um, well, I appreciate you so much, Beers. I know all the High Cotton Club appreciates you, um, all the contributions that you've made since being an OG and to now. And we look forward to, um, you know, it's been two and a half years, another two and a half years, and we'll be five years in looking back at this with your uh, two-year-old little, little kid. And I don't know, I, plastic, moon, clubs, plastic clubs are two years old. I don't know if that's working yet, but yeah. uh, we'll be making all those things happen. Yeah, I'll see you guys out at Bounty Club. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you will. But hopefully – Make sure to give me your member number. Yeah, I got you. I, I owe you for all those smash burgers I put on your number. So <laughs> we get you back in uh, some more events before the baby comes and we can uh, get you in the winter circle a couple more times. Santa slam baby coming up. I love it. Can't wait. We're, uh, we're going to put him on tilt. Love it. Thanks for the invite guys. Thanks bears. See you bears. Rich. Some guys like it quiet. Some guys like it loud. This is, yeah, the gator needs to look like he needs some exercise. I don't know. Of course, the conditions now that he has to play the shot to test anyone. Jim, those two, it's a great story.